0: say that i have shed innocent blood what's blood for if not for shining i I just can't take no pleasure in killing Just some things you gotta do don't mean you have to like it there's nothing to worry about
1: you're gonna be just fine i'm your number one fan let her get away mommy So welcome to issue two of Corona Cast with Katie and Travis. This is uh, horrifying, my friends. Um, like I said, issue two uh, from afar, uh, social dusting episodes. Uh, this has been a bit of a like a big bit of a, I should I would say experiment, but. Yeah, it's getting getting pretty old. I don't know how you're holding up over there, though, Katie. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's uh, it's it's definitely getting old, not having anywhere to go or anything to do and stuff like that. But how are you holding up?
0: I'm pretty much the same as the last episode that we recorded in quarantine, um, uh-huh. but just more tired, <laughs> more tired, <laughs> more worn yeah. down. I'm feeling a little burnt out. I'm sure. I don't know. I'm just feeling a little um, going through all the stages of grief is what, kind of what I was talking to Rose about a while Mm -hmm. uh, a while ago it's just I didn't realize that it was basically the same feelings that you have when you go through grief (laughs) Uh but it's uh, like for the way life is right now I don't know how are you doing
1: yeah it's kind of like a it's kind of like a thing of trauma like it's kind of like an example of trauma and we don't think about it like that but it is It's kind of like after, and I've heard a few podcasters say this, but it's kind of like after 9-11, like dealing with like all your emotions and stuff after that all happened and Mm -hmm. you're kind of coming to terms with being in a pandemic and shit like that. And, um, but yeah, no, like I know I've been talking with my friend cricket being like being alone and like not being able to go anywhere and shit is not good for, uh, people of the. Uh, depressed nature or you know who, who have had any kind of history with depression or anxiety or anything like that you're kind of just like living in your own head so that's kind of what I've been going through like not being on a uh, routine so I've been like trying to work on that like you know develop <laughs> kind of like develop your own routine and stuff like that because like I told Rosie the other night like I just want to go to work and then like come home and take a nap or like you know whatever and then like watch a show and then like do it all over again, kind of thing. Like I miss that, and I never thought I would, but it's so weird.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're kind of programmed from when we're babies to to find comfort in our routines, and um, to be able to relax when we're following our routine. And we kind of forget, like <laughs> once it's we're It's so adults, weird. That, oh man. wow, yeah, we we are very um, kind of regimented as it's just a human thing and so yeah I, I can totally relate to the anxiety not so much the depression I can't imagine what um what y'all are going through with that but I have anxiety anyway and so it's like like I said last episode it's still peaking it's still up there It's just this chronic anxiety and stress which is um I'm sure the case for a lot of folks like
1: you said like you're struggling with anxiety a lot like anxiety probably because we can't do anything about it or like go anywhere <laughs> shit like that like that is so weird that's such a weird, like, idea that we can't go anywhere.
0: Yeah, and it's like not knowing when they not not knowing when it's gonna end, not knowing <laughs> um, when I'm going to find some relief from the situation that we're in, uh, worrying about Rose and Jet, my sisters' nurse, their nurses, as mm-hmm. we've mentioned, worrying about everybody in my family. Like, I tend to just uh, worry, even though I know intellectually that there's nothing I can do about it worrying doesn't help the situation i know that but i can't stop my brain from doing it you know it's it's what it does (laughs) but not to be a total downer there's some um i think some good hopeful things to look forward to and this podcast is one of those things i look forward to so i'm glad we're doing another episode oh Um, for sure and i hope everyone's catching um we are continuing to put out weekly episodes so make sure you subscribe give us a review help us uh grow this podcast if we do if we do nothing during quarantine hopefully we can get um some more people listening to oh yeah to our pod
1: oh yeah and I like I listened to the uh the faculty episode today and that's that episode's dope like Kate Taylor brought her shit man
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> that episode's um, really fun I loved it it was I, <laughs> I love that movie like we're 90s kids of course we love that movie oh yeah um so what are we doing today Trev?
1: So today we're, it's the five movies that made me. And it's not necessarily like our five favorite or I'm not sure like how you compiled your list, but these movies to me are like, um, stuff that influenced me, stuff that I still every now and then, like stuff that I've been revisiting, I found myself revisiting during this time, like when you can't really go anywhere and stuff, or just like had an impact on me. Like, like I said, not necessarily our five favorite or whatever, but and it might be like it might be your five favorite, but yeah, kind of like you. your yeah. Go ahead.
0: So I was gonna say sorry to interrupt. It's hard, you know, being just, yeah like, for sure <laughs> each other <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, I can tell you kind of how I put my list together before we get into it. Go ahead. So based on your prompt, I think you were very clear about uh, what we were doing. So I think we I think we were on the same page. But basically, there are a lot of favorites on my list, but that just comes naturally because like through them being kind of like some comfort movies of mine mm-hmm. as well and they're movies that have influenced like as I've grown up have influenced sort of my taste in film in movies and generally mm-hmm. things I I like and I gravitate to and if you ask me what are my top five five years from now I'm sure it'd be slightly different. Um, I think I think a lot of these would keep showing up though.
1: no, for sure, that's how mine is set up kind of too. and like it's a lot of them are like movies that I've seen a hundred times that still like i'll i I can't turn off if they're on like kind of thing. like I'll switch through the channels and uh, like the certain movie will be on. And I'll just I'll have to keep on watching it no matter what part it's on. But right off the bat, I have two separate lists, and I don't know how you want to handle this, but there's one list with a part one and a part two like of a movie. I don't know if that that list would be like do you think that that list is cool or do you want to fly with that or do you want me to sub one out?
0: You do whatever you want dude.
1: Okay we can roll and like I said this list (laughs) this list was incredibly difficult to put together for me because I've like left stuff out that I'm like in a week, I'll probably be like, what were you doing? But
0: <laughs> I found myself doing that, too. This The list I landed on for today's episode is not the list I started with. Almost yeah. at all. There's like two on there that stayed, you know? And it's because the more I thought about it, all of these, like, memories came flooding back to me because I kind of was like, okay, what, what mov- kind of movies did my dad influence me, like, bring into my mm-hmm. life and influence me with? What did my mom? What are some others that I that are just, like, burning my, my memory? And so uh-huh. nobody should you know judge us too harshly for what's on our <laughs> list because we have we've seen so many movies, you and I.
1: for sure. And uh, how we're going to kind of do this, this is kind of like the Katie Kerr episode, like I'm gonna give my five, Katie's gonna give her five or either or, and then we're gonna just kind of gonna go from five to one and um, gradually get down to our number one uh, listed movie. Um, but Kate, do you want to start on your number five?
0: Sure, let's get into it. So right. um, my number five is Blazing Saddles. Most Ooh. of our listeners, I think, will know that movie. It's a Mel Brooks movie. It came out in 1974. Um, mm-hmm. I'll give a quick synopsis for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, it's a satirical take on Westerns. A crafty railroad, railroad worker, Bart, who is played by Cleavon Little, Uh, becomes the first black sheriff of of rock ridge a frontier town about to be destroyed in order to make way for a new railroad Uh, initially the people of rock ridge harbor a racial bias toward their new leader they're they're racist and it's a town full of white people who they have never seen a black person basically but anyway (laughs) however they they warm to him after realizing that bart and his perpetually drunk gunfighter friend who's played by gene wilder are the only defense against a wave of thugs sent to rid the town of its population so this movie has a place in my heart and has, will always influence the kind of like satirical kind of sick dad humor i guess um that yeah, i enjoy sure. because this was one of my dad's favorite movies uh, when we would uh-huh. we would watch it at least once a year with him and he would laugh at these at the jokes and the scenes in this movie every time like it mm-hmm. was the first time he was seeing it um and he <laughs> it brought him so much joy and so like of course i love it too i love my dad and i love this movie and i mean mel brooks is i think kind of a genius Classic. I, I, he's, a legend. Yeah, he's a legend i love his movies um i love young frankenstein i love uh, robin hood men in tights There's, he just made so many silly movies that i'll always i can turn them on and just love them but yeah that's one. Oh, yeah. It's got some really good, like, fart humor. I mean. Oh, yeah. So that's my number five. Well, um, I wanted to start out with one that, that my dad liked.
1: That's one, too, that I need to revisit as well. Like, I think I've, like, I've seen it twice or, like, two or three times, but it's one of those that I'm, like, I'm always, um you know, I, of course, know, like, the iconic scenes and stuff, like, some of the iconic jokes. But that's just one that I need to know more. Like, I need to dive into that one. Maybe like, uh, because I think the last time I saw it was like probably like 10 years ago at this point. Like, I I haven't seen that. Yeah, I know. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. So, like, it'd be probably watching it for the first time, like, to be honest. Like, if I watched it again,
0: you should. You should watch it with Rose it would be good for right now honestly because it's so silly it's just silly um and like if you just need a kind of break from the the doom and gloom that you've been feeling and i I think all of us have been feeling like blazing saddles is a good one for
1: that for sure all right, so that was your number five. My number five is, and I'm going to go ahead and roll with this first list. And like I said, if we get down to the movies and you're like, ah, sub that out, that's a cop out. I will I uh, I will, I will go ahead and sub it I out. I will not judge you. But number five is Scarface. All right, so Scarface, talking Scarface, where do you start with such a legendary film? Um, so this film, anyone that knows me knows that this film is incredibly important to me in my... Um, Film background, I should say, um, I remember hanging out with my cousins back in Texas and watching this movie at a very young age, uh, being introduced to it by my brother and my cousin Picky at the time and little Frankie. that was of course back in those days when this was a uh, a double VHS like um, for the longer movies for the for you kids out there the longer films had uh, came in a box of VHSs worth two movies and it would say flip to side two. Mm -hmm. so that's one of the things that i always remember about it is how it was uh it just stood out from the other stuff and the box cover art was just fucking fantastic the poster of this movie is fantastic this movie was a huge cultural influence obviously growing up and stuff but um yeah i remember one christmas when it first came out on dvd me and my brother uh my brother and i got the dvd box set and stuff for christmas and it was really taught. I still have it over at my dad's, but it's like this big black case and it comes with a DVD, like kind of in the middle. <clears throat> it almost looks like you're like delivering drugs in it or something. It's weird, but it comes with like a bunch of, um, like set, like uh, photos and stuff like that of the actresses and actors of the movie, Michelle Pfeiffer, Al Pacino, all these other guys, um, the guy that plays Manny and stuff and just pictures of Brian De Palma, um, but I have to talk about De Palma and, um, his influence on me. And like, he's one of my favorite directors, if not my favorite director of all time. But this was the film when I started noticing like who made the films. And that is a big deal, you know, in every, uh, like film fans kind of upbringing. Everybody has that movie where they start to notice like who made the movie, what, Oh, there are actual people that go behind and make these movies. Like that's their job to make these things. It's like, uh, Kevin Smith always talks about slacker and stuff like that. Like the movie slacker and how that showed him that he could make a film. Not that I want to make films, but this showed me, Oh, Brian De Palma's behind this. Let me go check out some other Brian De Palma stuff. So uh, I'll get into it with my next choice, but this really started my, my, uh, going down different avenues and realizing that people make these things and these directors make other stuff, go on to work on other projects and you will probably dig their other stuff. If you dig a big movie like Scarface, Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on with Scarface and I think it's hugely, hugely important um, is, and again, I, I will touch on this on all these, but the soundtrack to this film, the uh, "Push It to the Limit," "Dance Dance Dance," you know, uh, "She's Hot Tonight," all these '80s classic songs, but also the the actual score by um, Giorgio Moroder. I think. Uh, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. He's a legendary film composer. He worked on this uh, "American Gigolo," um, uh, "Midnight Express." was a big film, uh, late seventies. Um, if you're familiar with the art bell show, uh, coast to coast at all, I, well, coast to coast still exists, but they, that intro, he's behind that, but just a legendary, one of the best film soundtracks. In my opinion, I go back and listen to this all the time. Um, I find myself listening to Tony's theme and like the, opening theme, theme of the film and the closing theme of the film. And I think it does a really good job of capturing what a tragic character Tony is. And it's mm-hmm. like um, one scene in particular that I've always found interesting was the scene where they're blowing up the um, guy that's going to give his speech against the gangs and stuff, against like gang violence and stuff like that. And they're supposed to do it in right in front of the United Nations building. And I always found it so interesting that, and this is just my take on the film. Um, let me know in the comments if your take is similar. But I, the score of that scene, everything building to that scene is so masterful. Tony's on the edge. Tony's doing drugs. It's so tragic, and really, it's his morality that is his ultimate undoing. He's says, "No woman, no kids." And this guy's going to blow up this guy with his women and kids. And it's like, no matter what the, um, all the terrible things that Tony has done, he is not willing to go over this line, which I've always thought was like a pretty interesting character choice for the filmmaker and for the writer, Oliver Stone, um, that, that is ultimately Tony's undoing. Because as you know, as you, if you've seen the film, if you haven't seen this film, then unfuck that immediately because this film's masterful. Um, but if you haven't, if you have seen the film, we know that that's Tony's undoing because Sosa ultimately sends the hit squad to take care of Tony because Tony disobeyed and Tony like really fucked it up and the guy gave a speech and stuff that he wasn't supposed to give, but the scene is just masterful and I, um, It just needs to be pointed out. Another scene that comes to mind is when Tony knows that Frank's the one that set him up. And it's just very, very quiet. Very, very... The score of... uh, uh, Giorgio Marauder's score just kind of kicks in just very, very subtly as Frank and... uh, I mean, as uh, Tony walks into Frank's, like, lair, you know, office, whatever. Frank is unaware that he's still alive. He's expecting a call... He's expecting a call of the hitman to say, you know, that he's dead and Tony has him dead to rights basically. And the way that scene is framed is just masterful. De Palma was firing on all cylinders with this film and it's just a legendary movie, but that's how Scarface impacted me. It's one of the most important films ever to me. Like uh more important than Halloween, more important to these other than these You know, uh, other films that kind of didn't make the cut, like, uh, I will get into more of those later on with our honorable mentions, but just like other stuff that didn't make the cut, this movie, uh, did, did kind of cross that barrier into getting me more involved with film and pushed Travis, the film fan further along, um, onto this path of doing a movie podcast um another memory I have of this film and I'll close with this is watching it with my uh late great uncle Juan and uncle Juan was a bad dude he was in prison for most of his life but oh wow seeing how he reacted to this movie and seeing you know he was really not right to be honest like that he thought that you know uh Tony was such a badass character and stuff, which he is a badass character, but it's you know clearly in the film you can see the tragic undoing of him, and it's like you know, don't do this kind of shit, but I'm like sharing that moment with my uncle Juan and uh watching a few gangster movies with him and stuff what is something that I'll always cherish because I was never able, I only met him one time. And that was the only, that, that was what we did was just like watch mon- uh, mobster movies all day, which I cherish to this day. And because he ended up uh, dying in prison later on. And, uh, I was not able to see him again or interact with him again. So that's just another story that how this film has like personally impacted me. And like it, will always be, like, important to me. Like, this film is awesome. And if you haven't seen it, if you have seen it, revisit it again. Because it's it's masterful.
0: Uh, very good pick. Very good pick. Alright, my number four is Best in Show. It's...
1: Oh my god, I love Christopher that movie.
0: Guests, um, was the director, the creator of it. Um, it came out in uh-huh. 2000. Um, I love this movie. I rewatch it every year. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> but it is uh, it is a mockumentary uh, basically. Here, I'll, I'll read. Yeah. The I won't read a synopsis for this because there it really isn't a good synopsis. So basically, what it is, there are several storylines. It's all based around these dog owners and their dogs are competing in this um, big dog show. Like it's called the Mayflower Dog Show. So it's kind of based off of, like kind of <laughs> Westminster if you think of it like that um so it's like the the biggest award that they can win if they win this competition and so it follows all these different couples and dog owners around so i have some fun facts about this movie to help you appreciate it so um i got i learned about best in show because i originally had seen this is spinal tap which almost made my list but this is spinal tap christopher guest was in that mockumentary rob reiner's Uh uh, mockumentary which is also great. I encourage people to check that one out. Um, but Christopher Guest made oh, a yeah. series of his own mockumentaries kinda after he was on This Is Final Tap. So, I mean, I love A Mighty Wind, um, all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah.
1: Waiting for Guffman is an is an underappreciated True. like amazing movie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Something I looked up about this movie that I thought was really interesting is the narrative outline was only fifteen pages for this. It's almost entirely oh, wow. improvised, um, and what? yeah, they recorded sixty hours of footage of them just Holy like riffing shit. and improvising, and um, so it is hilarious. I every scene, I laugh. I think the I gravitate towards this one. Well, be, not just because it has dogs and I love dogs, but like it reminds me a little bit of back in the day when I was really little, um, like in mm-hmm. like early grade school. Um, my grandma and grandpa always like they actually competed they went to dog shows with their dogs they didn't do like the the confirmation Mm -hmm. is what it's called so like the dogs that are like best of breed or whatever they did um obedience different kinds of competitions like that like agility it's like their dogs had to have skills and they practice a lot It, it wasn't just looking pretty if you will but i remember they would take us to dog shows a lot and i have such like fun memories of that and some of some people in the dog sh- like dog show world are a little like nutsy. um <laughs> so i mean they're not quite I, I never met anyone quite as extreme um but some people some people are yeah. a little loopy a little, uh, a little out there and so i have like a fond place in my heart for anything about dog shows just because it reminds me of my grandma and grandpa so you'll you'll see a kind of a theme with a lot of these movies is like it just reminds me of people in my family and like it brings back memory these movies bring back memories for me of my own life beyond just being funny <laughs> or sure. being good not all of them are comedy
1: best in show is a fucking great great choice man <laughs> like that movie is so fucking amazing like the buzzy Bee scene oh yeah like every now and then i'll send my brother and dust and we love that character i can't i, I can't even remember her name um, um Pipe, that actress
0: uh, um
1: <laughs> but they, like, met in a Starbucks. They met in, like, two different Starbucks, Starbucks. across is, like... the street from each other, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And her, like, freak out about the Buzzy Bee, like, later oh. on in the movie and shit is so yes. awesome. And then the two gay guys are, like, great characters. And he's, like, packing. That's the thing. And, every. Uh, like, packing kimonos. Yes,
0: every <laughs> single character is brilliant. Like, I just, I can't recommend this movie enough. Uh, you'll laugh. You'll come away with so many quotes and little one-liners it's so good
1: <laughs> yeah that's a solid. yeah you
0: choice. should like you should right. seriously like plan to rewatch these this week they're like, so good
1: <laughs> dude yeah that's that may be like what i need i may need some christopher guest waiting for guffman the mighty wind like all that stuff is so fucking awesome and like right up my alley all right
0: man. what's your number four dude
1: All right, so my number four is Kill Bill Volume
0: 1. I didn't even think of that. I love that Um, movie.
1: (laughs) So this movie, my brother came over, I think this was when I was like, I was probably, I was probably like 13, and I wasn't, like, I was into movies, but not like totally, totally into movies, and he brought this over, and we watched it, and then we watched Volume 2. It kind of blew my mind, like, all the anime stuff. Like, this introduced me to Tarantino. This is the first Tarantino movie I've ever seen. As you know, Pulp Fiction's like, if not my favorite movie, like, one of a top five. It used to be my favorite movie. I think Blue Velvet's probably my favorite movie now. Tarantino is one of my favorite directors, and it's because of this. Like, this introduced me to Tarantino, introduced me to Eno Morricone, who's a, a classic composer on a bunch of, um, see what this movie did was introduce me to a bunch of Tarantino's influences. So it's like Tarantino is one of those directors that uses a bunch of stuff from a def- bunch of different people. So it's like he used music and actors from the Shaw brothers, martial arts movies back in the day in the seventies and stuff. He used actresses and actors from like lady or like, um, references of like Lady Snowblood and he used a bunch of stuff from like old westerns by Sergio Leone so a lot of people that know me know that I love westerns as well and that's like a weird kind of like mixture for me like because I'm the horror guy but I also love westerns like I have a outlaw Josie Wells poster in the office right now but it's like this introduced me to so many different stuff so much different stuff and like other avenues of art that I would go down and explore and it's a rabbit hole into like cult cinema and all kinds of stuff and it introduced me to Tarantino and I think the one common theme of my list is like uh, soundtracks like I listen to all these soundtracks, like on the regular, like every movie that I talk about tonight, I listen to the soundtrack. Like every, like pretty much every week, like they're on my Spotify stuff. And the soundtrack to um, Kill Bill is like fucking amazing. Yeah, Like it that, is. they have they have so much good shit on there from like so many different influences, so many different movies of the past. Like the Grand Duel, like that song from that movie. And like I said, Eno Morricone, like, The Whistle Song, like, every, so much shit, like, came from this movie. And it's because of this movie that I went on to, like, dive into his previous films and, like, all that stuff. But, yeah, it all started with Kill Bill for me. And what's funny is that my brother brought this over, and he's not even, like, the biggest Tarantino fan. Like, he, he, like, kind of despises Tarantino. (laughs) Like, uh, but he does love Kill Bill Volume 1. Like, he loves Kill Bill, but, like, Pulp Fiction and all that stuff he always thought was, like, really boring and shit like that. Like, too talky, and, and Tarantino can get kind of talky, but, yeah, that's besides the point, but, yeah. So, my number four is Kill that's Bill. That's
0: a good one. I need to, I'm gonna put that on my list to watch, if not this week, then next, um, because I forgot how much I love that movie, too. Um.
1: Man, that movie is so it strong.
0: Is. Okay. Let's move on to number three. Um, so, this okay. one I think a lot of people might not have heard of. It's um, called The Pirates of Penzance. Um, so, this is Ooh. a movie version of a Gilbert and Sullivan musical. And, Travis, I know you're not really into musicals, um, but this came out in 1983. <laughs> um, I love musicals in general, so that's like I had to pick one of the many musicals that I love. And this is one that I rewatch. My sisters love it. My mom loves it. My grandma loves it. Like we will all sing these songs in everyday life. Like the situations will come up and we'll sing these songs. Like this is one we rewatch over and over and over again. And I think it's like kind of slept on. I don't think a lot of people know how good it is or have even never seen it. A little bit about it. So Frederick is the character. He's played by Rex Smith. He has spent his formative years as a junior pirate um, on a pirate ship and plans to mark his 21st birthday by breaking free from the pirate king who's played by kevin klein and fun fact about this kevin klein actually i think originated this role on broadway uh and won a tony for it Mm -hmm. so like he's really good at this role um and so he actually stars in the movie as well which is nice but anyway um so he plans to break free from the pirate king when he turns 21 because they have this contract and stuff and um and he wants to begin this courtship with this girl Mabel, uh, Mabel that, he, um, that he met, you know, kind of when he left the ship. Um, who And it's funny because Mabel is played by Linda Ronstadt. Um, and this is a really mm-hmm. kind of, at times, operatic musical. Like the singers have to be really, really good. Some of the, the, the songs are really tough. Um, but anyway, because he's born on Feb- February 29th, it's a leap year, technically he -hmm. can't get out of his contract with the pirate king and so it's this like push and pull will he go back with the pirates or will he end up like sort of living out the life he wants to live um and it's just really fun um it's it's mainly a comedy it's not serious at all but it's really really good um it's so catchy it's so fun um one song people might be familiar with is um the the one that's like i am the very model of a modern major general like that one it's like a it's like a fast Mm -hmm. fast talking kind of song but anyway it's super fun i don't think a lot of people know oh angela lansbury's in it too she plays a like a the main character frederick's um sort of nanny keeper and then she turns into a pirate it's really cute anyway
1: i actually really dug that one when you guys uh introduced did we make you watch it yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've seen pirates of Penzance. Yeah, I re- actually really dug that. Kevin klein is like awesome. He's so
0: good. I've always had a huge crush on him too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't do like he's one of those guys that's kind of like he he doesn't do a lot anymore, does he? Like and he's not he's not that old. Isn't ah. he like Tom Hanks's age?
0: Oh, I have no clue. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't think I have seen him in much lately
1: all right that's another solid choice so my number three is an obvious pick and it's scream and I know this you said that this was going to be on your list so it you was. asked me in advance <laughs>
0: yeah I took it off so we didn't have the same
1: like what more can be said it's a 90s like staple I don't think many people need to know the synopsis it's a 1996 but I'll read I'll go ahead and read the next synopsis It's uh, a year after the murder of her mother, a teenage girl is terrorized by a new killer who targets the girl and her friends by using horror films as part of a deadly game. So this was the start of many things. The start of cell phone... Well, arguably, like the start of cell phone horror, like the uh, What's Your Favorite Scary Movie. The cast is like incredibly 90s. It's Return of Wes Craven. The cast, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Skeet Ulrich, Drew Barrymore... Like, Jamie Kennedy, Rose McGowan. Like, you can just, like, name this whole cast. And it changed horror, like, the landscape, the entire landscape of horror when it dropped. I know, like, the episode on the faculty today, I go into it a little bit. But it's, like, because this happened. Like, you had Scream 2. You had Valentine. You had Urban Legend. You had I Know What You Did Last Summer. You had The Faculty. You had, like, all these phantoms. You had, like, all these movies that were, like... Take these young, hot teens and, like, <laughs> like release something to kill them. Put it in the movie theater, and a bunch of teens are going to go see it. And that was good and bad, but it's like, this movie is fucking amazing. And this series is amazing. We just actually rewatched Scream 2, and that, like, holds up so well as well. Mm-hmm. Almost as good as the first one. Like, that movie is amazing as well. But the first one is, like, a fucking classic, man. And, like, Sidney Prescott is... The new, like, she is up there with Laurie Strode as far as, like, a screen queen in my opinion. Like, the scream queen in my opinion. Like, she is the ultimate scream queen and a badass. And I love this movie. It does the psycho thing where it kills off Drew Barrymore at the beginning. And that probably shocked a lot of people going to the theater and seeing this movie in 96. I don't think I saw this in 96 because I was 6. But I I believe that I saw the second one in theaters. But yeah, this movie, like, impacted me forever, and honestly, it came in, I left off a lot of horror on my list, and I think this is the only horror movie on my list, which will surprise a lot of people. You can, you know, it's, like, arguable. Like I said, in a week, you could ask me, and my list might be a little different, but yeah, this movie started it all for me. Like I said, I was six years old and stuff, and we would rewatch this, like, over and over and over again. This among others, but mainly this. Like, this drew me into the war- world of horror and forever changed me. Like, not to be dramatic, but it did. Like, it, it's like this, I like, the Travis that started this and the Travis that came out of this movie, like, were two different people. And it's because of this movie and it's because of Wes Craven. And for that, I will always be thankful to Mr. Re- Wes Craven. And he's a genius. Written by Kevin Williamson. But yeah, that was my number three.
0: Yeah, that's a dope choice. Um, like I was going to say, this was going to be on my list too, but I took it off because I knew you were going to have it on yours. Um, <laughs> you and knew I would, I would yeah, have a I have rant, a, ready. Like, <laughs> I, re- I have such vivid memories of this movie. I remember my older sister, Jessica, had she's been on the podcast too. She did the It Follows episode. Anyway, mm. um, when she was like a teenager, we were, she was like, she's two years older than me. So I was probably like preteen you know age and she was a teenager and she had her friends over for a sleepover and they were going to watch scream Mm -hmm. and my cousins who lived in the same live in the same neighborhood um like andrew and them like they were all hanging out at their house and they actually and they found out from my dad presumably because he's a prankster he was a prankster that we were gonna be watching Scream, and so they had the mask. They had the Scream masks. So this is way <laughs> after it came out, you know. Oh yeah. Um, and they had the Scream mask, and so they put on this mask, and they came to the our house while we were watching it, and we have this we have this big sliding glass door, right. And so they uh, – and there's a scene, you know, with the big sl- – you know, the the boyfriend on the porch and stuff. But anyway, um, so they actually were, like, banging on the house and they had knives and the masks and we were all running around screaming. Like, I will always remember that, and it was such a fun time. <laughs> um, and beyond that, I just love the Scream movies. I kind of like all of them, frankly, but one and oh, two yeah, are dude. also my – some of my yeah. favorites. I watch them <laughs> Yeah, every. they're all
1: strong. It, it, like, when you say that, it brought up a memory of, like – um. My mom used to work kind of like the night shift. Like, I think she would go in like 10 to 10, not the night shift, but like 10 during the day and then get off at like 10 at night. But there were times when my brother and I, like we had the scream mask and he would make like a makeshift, uh, urban legend. Like, have you ever seen the killer from urban legend? Like, um, it no. has like a big, like fur, like winter coat where like the face is concealed but he uh-huh. would dress up like that with like a hook and i dressed up like scream and we would just scare the fuck out of my mom when she would come in like, <laughs> like after a stressful day of like dealing with people <laughs> and stuff you're so mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah my mom was like it was probably on probably on the verge of like passing out each time we did it but like yeah that like brought back <laughs> the memories of the, that's that's awesome man but yeah scream was my number three all right a legendary movie.
0: Agreed. All right, I will get into my number two. Um, so my my number two is Arsenic and Old Lace.
1: Ooh, I don't think I've ever seen it.
0: I don't think you have because <laughs> I've talked about wanting to do an episode of um, Horrifying the Host and making you watch this. But yeah, <laughs> um, let me tell you a little bit about it. All right. It came out in 1944. So it's an old, old black and white. It stars Cary Grant. Who's a fox? But anyway, um, I'll give you the the synopsis for folks who likely haven't seen it. Um, But if people are into, if any of you guys listening are into theater, this was a play first. But anyway, um, here's a synopsis Writer and notorious marriage detractor, Mortimer Brewster, played by Cary Grant, falls for the girl next door, Elaine Harper, um, played by Priscilla Lane, um, and they tie the knot on Halloween. So this is kind of technically kind of a Halloween movie, and you'll you'll see in a second why I think it's like horror adjacent. It's really like a dark comedy. But anyway, uh, mm. when the newlyweds return to their respective family homes to deliver the news, uh, Mortimer finds a corpse hidden in a window seat uh, with his eccentric uh, with his eccentric aunt's disturbed uncle and homicidal brother. He starts to realize that his family is even crazier than he thought. Um, so the I won't spoil the plot. Um, which is just a really fun ride and a few twists and turns. It's just really... And the acting is so good. It's really funny, really well done. (laughs) Even today, this movie holds up. It stands up. It's so, so good. And it's... uh, The reason I picked this one is, like, this is something I share with my mom. My mom loves old... um, Older black-and-white movies. And she has really good taste in movies, my mom. Um, Hopefully, she'll be on this uh, podcast at some point. But anyway, she... Introduced me to this movie as a, uh, a kid. I want to say I was like maybe preteen, mid, middle school, maybe. I don't know, maybe even younger. Um, but anyway, she has always been, you know, a big influence on the types of movies that I like. And this is one of many um, older movies that I love. Um, but this, I would argue, is my favorite of them all. Uh, I just rewatched it recently and wonder- I was like wondering why I don't rewatch it more often because it's like that good. Um, but yeah, Arsenic and Old Lace, highly recommend. Uh, I think I rented it on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. for like $3.99 or something like that. But I think it's worth it.
1: Yeah, we're going to definitely have to, uh, cause that's your, is that your number two?
0: That's my number two. I really love okay, this movie. So we're
1: definitely going to have to do a, uh, Horrifying the Host cause that's one that I need to see for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll do it. And yeah, like I said, it's it's based in Halloween. There's a cemetery across the street. You've got some insanity um, going on. Um, It's so good.
1: Okay, so my number two and one uh, are connected. The gentleman uh, that I'm talking about only did two of these films. So I'm going to go ahead and let Katie do her number one film, and then I'm going to tackle both of my top two films um, afterwards. So Katie, go ahead and give me your number one film.
0: Okay, cool. Hopefully you all aren't sick of hearing my voice. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> Please. Um, so my number one is... This shouldn't be a surprise to most people, but is Jurassic Park. The original first and only Jurassic Park I'll watch. It came out in 1993. Um, this movie... I have so many good things to say about it. But what's the reason it made my list is because um, it is my favorite movie of my childhood It's has a score that like you were saying Trav I will just turn the score to this on it's a beautiful oh, yeah, classical score
1: it's John Williams it's, right is that a John yeah, Williams it's, score? it's a John Williams yeah.
0: score and it's just the, the those five notes that just when you hear it when they see the dinosaurs for the first time in the in that, the, the big meadow or whatever, that, dun, dun, um,
1: dun, 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 Yeah, that, exactly. That, okay.
0: That just like, it comes to my mind immediately. I like I just have so many good memories of this movie, and I, I think this movie stands up. It oh, holds it does, up. I mean, 100%. it holds up. It's st- it stood the test of time. I mean, it came out in ninety three, and when you watch it, you st- the effects still look really great. Well,
1: and yeah. that's an example of like. Um, practical effects over digital effects all day, every day. Like, yeah. cause that's why that shit still looks good. That T-Rex it, still looks like a fucking T-Rex dude. Like when exactly. you watch that movie.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, and I love it. I love this movie. Um, Jeff Goldblum, such a fox. So like, so good in this movie. He has a lot of like really good, like line, like philosophical kind of lines, um, oh, that yeah. make you think. And um, this this movie introduced me to Laura Dern, who I love as well. She's just oh, yeah. um, brilliant uh, actress. Um, and then beyond this, like there's tons of quotes, of course, like hold on to your butts, and there's just yeah, like I said, so many quotes. Women inherit the earth, etcetera. But um, powerful yeah.
1: themes, like themes that still
0: yeah. Like, uh, so that's like, what like, I was Should gonna... we
1: like kind of stuff?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. There, like there's a lot of kind of philosophical questions about like how far should we go with science and this kind of thing. Um, but beyond that, this movie, as watching it as an adult, which I've watched this again every year, multiple times a year, <laughs> um, I went and saw it when this the, our Indianapolis Symphony like does a like, kind of a movie series where with the ones that have really good scores, they'll actually play along with the movie. And I went and saw that. I will every time. But I was going to say, watching it as an adult, like this movie is about sort of parenthood or like it mm-hmm. really is like it's it's about parenthood even though he's not the like parent of these kids but it's like kind of you start out the movie learning that you know they are talking about like would you ever want to be a dad or would you ever want to have a family and he's like no way no way and then you see him be like such a good sort of protector and like parental figure to these kids and it's like it's kind of about that too um which mm-hmm. i think is nice um it's about adventure wonder you again you get that philosophy in there and Plus it's got fucking dinosaurs. It's great. Yeah,
1: for sure. The scene that always sticks out is when the dude's going for that uh that shit in the shaving cream and that fucking dinosaur spits in his face. Yeah. Like that scene is so good.
0: <laughs> There's that, the guy who gets like eaten by the T Rex in the in the in the little outhouse or whatever and
1: um, that scene when the kids are in the car and you just hear you just start to see that water like start shift like start moving because of the t-rex like coming oh yeah it's when you hear
0: that first um that first like screechy roar from the t-rex like it's just like Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh it shakes you and then um i love the the green jello scene where there, she sees the raptors. The silhouette of the raptors coming in. Mm-hmm. Oh god, so good. Oh god, we There's need so to. Um,
1: we need to like go see that in theaters. Like when they bring that back, because they bring it back like every so often. But it would be awesome to see that in theaters again.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like and- to see
1: it in like a big in a big IMAX or something would be fucking sweet.
0: Oh god, hundred percent, I'd be there. But um, I mean, the last thing I'll say about this is. I guess I've kind of attached a little memory to every one of these movies that I've picked, and like the the memory I like I'll always sort of cherish about this movie is like I actually got to play. I'm an orchestra nerd. I think we talked about this in the last uh, episode too, but I, like I played cello, not so much anymore, but um, it was a big part of my life. Like I played competitively. Like I I really tried really hard at it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And one of my favorite memories was getting to play the score to jurassic park uh, like you know the main theme essentially um in one of my Mm -hmm. concerts and i really had a fun time with that um so jurassic park is my number one and without further ado i think we should get into your top two
1: all right so my top two like i said are connected because it's tim burton's batman movies it's batman and batman returns and Mm. uh These two I had to have on the list. Like, I created a whole other list just if you were like, no, that's bogus. Like, (laughs) you can't have, like, both of those. But these movies influenced me more than any other movies, like, ever did. And, um, like, like we've been saying, like, revisiting old, like, favorites and stuff. Like, I've watched, like, we just watched Batman and Batman Returns last night again to show Lori. um... Katie's girlfriend actually hasn't has never seen them and she's never seen the Nolan Batmans or anything like that so we're gonna watch those as well but she had never seen these movies and so I've watched these movies like I think three times in the last like three weeks and uh just like the acting the score like Michael Keaton will always be Batman for me Michelle Pfeiffer and Batman and Batman Returns have some hot fucking scenes like we were (laughs) like holy shit Uh, She will always be the best Catwoman. like Danny DeVito as a penguin is fucking amazing. And then you got to talk about the music with Danny Elfman like that. That will always be like the sound of Batman for me. Uh, Just like your pick with Jurassic Park, like this score to me, like, uh, and it's, it, they're kind of connected. That's why I'm like lumping them together because they are kind of connected. It's like, Uh, It's like a same tone. But yeah, Danny Elfman creating the Batman score. Prince doing the first soundtrack. Will never happen again. Like, uh, other than the fact that obviously Prince isn't around anymore. But think about like how wild that time was. Where we had a big superhero movie. Played by Michael Keaton. Starring Jack Nicholson as the Joker. And then Prince did the fucking music to the movie. Like, that would never happen nowadays. Like, that'd be like... I don't know who like the famous pop star. That'd be like Lady Gaga doing like the music to the new Batman movie, which would be fucking amazing, but it would never yeah. happen. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's so like out of left field and coked up that it's like <laughs> perfect for 1989 Batman.
0: Yeah, I like love the, those the fact that,
1: <laughs> Like, the fact that Prince did the music for it. And like I said, it would be cool if Lady Gaga did do the music for Batman, but it was like, it, it would never happen now, because now it's like all like the dun-dun-dun-dun, like all brooding and shit, and like... The style, uh, Anton First was a graphic designer and stuff, and he did like the whole look for Gotham City, but it will always be the seminal Gotham City for me. Like the architecture, how everything is like so overdone and like there is blimps in the sky and like everything has like these big monoliths and like a gothic look about it it is just like i love this world and like everything about these movies but yeah that would be my 2 in 1 like these movies and batman returns i will say watching them back to back again batman returns does hit harder than number than batman 89 uh, Batman Returns is a good fucking movie. And I know Andrew Ball agrees with this, but it is like one also one of the best Christmas movies like of all time. Like if you rewatch that shit, like it is such a good Christmas movie and so tragic. Like the Like now I'm on to Batman Returns, like in my rant, but like the tragic nature of Catwoman and Batman's relationship in that movie like gets me every time man and the fact that it ends and he's not with her is just like so tragic and the Susie and the banshee song of that movie is so good so so well done and i know andrew bald agrees with me because he's like he he said before that catwoman he in his opinion is the best acted role in any of the batman films and I agree with him, man. Like, Michelle Pfeiffer fucking brings her A-game with Catwoman. Like, the fact that she's like, has tears in her eyes really throughout the whole movie showing, like, a, a woman that's just, like, fucking fed up and is ready to fight back against, like, all these fucking men in this movie and stuff. And she's so angry and, like, it is just, like, so good, dude. Like, I love these movies. Like, I... I love these movies and I've like I said I've watched them like probably three times in the last fucking two weeks but yeah that's my that's my big Batman rant Katie those
0: are those are good those are some of my favorite Batman movies too I'm not like a buff like you like I haven't seen every Batman movie ever but those have always been my favorite too Um, oh yeah and yeah I'm gonna add those to my my list of things to watch because I forgot how good they are and I know Brian will love them too
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) So we each have, like, a few honorable mentions that we're going to run through uh, pretty quick. Like, not spend as much time and not go full Travis Batman rant. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, uh, yeah, Katie, hit me with some honorable mentions that didn't quite make your list.
0: All right. One that I really love is Shaun of the Dead. Ooh. Um, I love uh, Simon Pegg. I'll watch anything hot fuzz all the all the all the movies he's made um even oh, the bad yeah. ones i love them. <laughs> um <laughs> and then uh, now and then now and then is like really nostalgic for me i don't know if is you've ever th- seen it i don't think
1: i have I very think I young
0: have. it's it's like a come it's like um it's follows the four sort of best friends when they're little um you see them as adults um every once in a while where they're kind of talking they're sort of reminiscing about the old days and so you, it's mostly like a, a story of young best friends um, that going sort of through a, an adventure of sorts um, and dealing with, you know, puberty. I don't know. It's just a really, really cute and fun movie from back when. Um, like a very mm-hmm. young Christina Ricci, you know. you don't, uh, Well, uh, not a lot of <laughs> boys probably watched it, but now and then yeah. the, the, the ladies will know. Um, that's a really good one. Um, and then mm-hmm. another one that I had on my list was um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I really oh, like yeah. all those movies too.
1: See, I was surprised that that wasn't yeah. on your list. I figured that yeah. uh, that that the Holy Grail was going to be on your list.
0: I like, do if love I had it. To guess. I do love it, but I uh, when I really had to to think about the ones that I will rewatch and, and enjoy and not get kind of tired of, um, mm-hmm. I think I stay up on my list. But those are just some honorable mm-hmm. mentions. And I have like many more, but I won't waste everyone's time. <laughs> for what sure. Are yours? No,
1: And mine would be um, Halloween, Child's Play, and probably Wedding Singer. Those would probably be my three. Ooh, fun. Um, Halloween and Child's Play for obvious horror-related reasons. Um, the introductions of John Carpenter for me like in Halloween. And the fact that Michael Myers is my favorite boogeyman. That one was, I really, really struggled with not putting that one on. But I think it got edged out kind of by Kill Bill. Like, I think Kill Bill impacted my love of cinema and stuff more. Like, than arguably by introducing me to, like, a bunch more avenues, I would say. Like, Kill Bill started me down a path of, like, just, like I said, like, uh, just seeking out more and more. Um, So that's why I put that on the list. And then... Uh, What did I say? Child's Play? Child's Play. So, Child's Play was one that I used to watch as a kid all the time and pretend I was Chucky and shit like that. And, like, we have home video of... I'm not sure if we still have it or not, but that'd be, like, fun to, like, put online. Um, Yeah, I
0: need to see (laughs) that. Like, I
1: would just, like, walk around with a knife and, like, be cussing and stuff. And I was, like, five. (laughs) Like, imitating Chucky. And then Wedding Singer... Drew Barrymore is like one of the biggest crushes for me and I love the 80s and and Wedding Singer almost made the list as well just because it influenced like my musical choice like musical tastes and stuff and the fact that I've always wanted to live in the 80s and stuff like that like I love those characters and stuff and the mute that soundtrack slams or, or, what is the what do the kids say? Slap
0: Slaps. <laughs> yeah.
1: The Smiths. It introduced me to the Smiths. And, like, all this other stuff that I really, really love. But, yeah, those would be, like, my honorable mentions. And that probably surprises people that, like, Wedding Singer is that far up there for me. Like, but I really, really love the Adam Sandler movies. Yeah. And I think he can be, like, really charming and stuff. Like, when he wants to be. I like agree. some of those. They're
0: fun. They're definitely fun watches. Um, especially right now. Um, for sure. All right cool this has been a super fun podcast i'm really glad you made me um start like really take this uh this list seriously because i've had a really fun time just like trying to pull all my memories to the front um and think about kind of the movies that influenced my sort of my taste in in film so
1: for sure and these are always fun because like i said they like get our guests to get to know the hosts like in um did you want to do the music one is that uh would you be down to do that like
0: the uh i'm gonna try i'm gonna that's a tough one but i think i can do it
1: (laughs) yeah so a music one would be like the top five albums like that you go to like in your time of need or like you know whatever like you just like five albums that influenced you and stuff like that but i think that'd be really cool like perhaps a little bit harder than this
0: yeah, like well, I mean, well, that's a teaser. That's a teaser for our listeners. Like that is to come in a quarantine episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. In the future, so that yeah, that'll be a tough one, but you'll get to know us a little bit more. Like you kind of got to know us here, and hopefully, uh, a lot of you listening will sort of walk away with um, a list of of movies to help get you through quarantine. Some some will make you laugh. Some will just be nostalgic. Some will just be fucking badass to watch like when i think of kill bill and scarface oh yeah for sure but for sure with that Trav, you want to you want to close us out with the socials um i'd love uh, if we will post on social media by the way before he closes us out um we'll post on social media about this episode of course and i really hope everyone listening will pop into the comments there and share like what some of your top five are or just your favorite sort of movies that kind of made you and influenced you. Like we love seeing those and, and it inspires us to watch, watch more movies.
1: <laughs> oh, for sure. And like Kate said, as always, you can find us uh, on Twitter at horrifying MF on Facebook at horrifying, my friends and on Instagram at horrifying, my friends as well. And uh, we're on all platforms, all podcast platforms, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, Google play, all that shit, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast fix. So with that, that is Corona volume two, I should say. Um, but with Kate and Travis, uh, thank you for joining me, Kate. This, these are always fun. And like you said, like the music one will be fun too. Like, um, during this time when we're all like stuck at home and stuff, it's kind of, I've kind of caught myself looking at the shelves more and more. And, uh, Going introspective. So, I think that'll be an interesting episode.
0: It's going to be a challenge. So, (laughs) So thanks for joining me.
1: Yeah, tune back in.
0: (laughs) All right. See you later. That'll be it. Bye.